Well, I've um, entitled this message, it's not going to be very long, but I entitled this message, Getting on the Right Road. Getting on the Right Road. You know, many people may ask the question, why change? Um, why even come to church? I mean, why do I need Jesus? I'm not so bad. He or she might need Jesus, but I am not so bad. I don't really need Jesus. I mean, surely um, Jesus is for bad people, people who do wrong things. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm not that bad. But when you open the Bible, you will meet many, many people in the Bible who thought they were good enough, who thought they had no real problems until they met Jesus. The man that we're going to talk about today, in our Bible reading, he's, he's called Saul. That was his name in Acts 9. But as you go through Acts, his name changed from Saul to Paul. And Paul was the Apostle Paul who wrote so much of the New Testament. But before he got saved, he was called Saul. So later on, he wrote these words about himself. He said this. Um, Emily, if you can help me to move that slide forward. Philippians 3, um, verse 6. He says this. As far, about himself, as far as a person can be righteous by obeying the commands of the law, I was without fault. That's me, he said. I was, literally, he was saying, I was close. I wasn't perfect, but listen, I was close to being perfect. Didn't need anything in my life. And he was a man on the road thinking that he did not need anything in his life. So, I have three things to talk to you about this man. The first thing I want to talk to you about him is that he was a blind man. Jim read the reading for us, and in the reading, these words was in it. Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciple. Murderous threats, it says here. What he was doing, that he was dragging men and women who believed in Jesus Christ, dragging them out of their homes, going to Damascus, finding them anywhere, and dragging them and putting them into prison. He was so angry, so cross that people will trust Jesus Christ that he went out of his way to arrest them and to throw them into prison. He thought he was doing right, but actually he was blind. He was absolutely blind. No wonder in our Bible reading we read these words after he met Jesus. He said this, So Saul got up from the ground, and when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. He couldn't physically see after he met Jesus, but actually, he was blind all of his life. I mean, this man was walking around his life. He had opinions. He had theories. He had views. He had his own take on life. But throughout his whole life, the Bible will say he was blind to the real issues that faced him. He was a blind man. Now, Jesus turned around and says this. 
over in John chapter 9, he says this. For Jesus said, for judgment I have come into the world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Paul was among those who was being judged by Jesus. He claimed he could see. He claimed that he didn't need anything. He claimed that he was um, enlightened. But actually, when he met Jesus, he revealed to him that he was actually blind. You know, we're all included in this. Paul writes later on, and he says in, the, um, in Corinthians, he says this, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The God of this age has blinded the minds of everyone. You know, just the other day, you know, I went out and took my family down to... Um, sit and watch um, Buzz Lightyear, the new film that's out, Lightyear, it's called not Buzz Lightyear, but we went out to see um, Buzz Lightyear, the movie, and um, I was sitting there for, you know, I, I enjoy a good cartoon, you know, I mean, Woody wasn't in it, but, you know, we were like, Buzz, don't we, you know, and the Buzz Lightyear was there, I was sitting there in my family watching this wonderful cartoon, all fun and games, all of a sudden, in this cartoon, two women started kissing, in this cartoon. I looked around at Kim. What's going on? And then they went into a room. And a few years later, the other one was pregnant. I thought, what did that happen? And I was completely blown away by the fact that even in a children's movie, in a children's cartoon, I had to be faced with the possibility of a new relationship and kids as young as who likes Buzz Lightyear and Woody and, and, and all these little characters have to come into their mind and think, what's going on? And what the Bible says is this, the God of this age is spewing out so much rubbish again and again and again, violence and death and crime and, and, and theft and lying and sexual deviancy. It's all there every single day in our society. The God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Our world is blind and Jesus speaks in Revelation and he says this, you say, and so many people say this, you say I'm rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. That is the word of Christ to our society and to our generation. But there is hope. And the hope that I love to read, I find it in the Old Testament. God speaks in Isaiah. And look what God says here. He says this. I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths. I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough Place is smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. Oh, I love that verse. I love that verse. 
God says, you know, I'm not going to let anyone else do it. I'm not going to let any false teachers or false preachers or those false churches. I'm not going to let anyone else do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to lead the blind people who once was in darkness. I'm going to make their darkness light. In fact, I love what Jesus Christ says over in John 9. I've got to go to Jesus. When Jesus spoke again the people to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So what Jesus is saying is that I will take you. You have been in the darkness. As Matt said before, I was in the darkness. I was blind. But guess what? The light has come on. I see Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Amen? He is the light of the world. And baptism is for those whose eyes has been opened. Baptism is for those who can clearly see heaven and hell, death and life, sin and forgiveness. That's what baptism is for. Anyone who can see that qualifies for getting into that water. Because Jesus Christ has said, I am the light of the world. Paul on the road of Damascus was a blind man. Second thing I want to say, Paul was a known man. Paul was going to Damascus to arrest more Christians. We read that he had letters to, um, to get hold of as many believers as possible and throw them into prison. But on his way, he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Now, I had an encounter with Jesus Christ when I was 12 years old. I was in a Sunday school room with a group of maybe 20 boys. And I heard for the first time that Jesus Christ died for me. I was 12 years old. I had an encounter with Jesus Christ at that time. And many people have different encounters. I've heard people, someone even here, had an encounter with Jesus Christ in Starbucks. You go in for a cup of coffee and you come out with Christ and eternal life. That's a great deal, isn't it? Fantastic. But I was speaking to my friend, Alfie, just last week. And I may get the story a little bit wrong, but Alfie was telling me a story about a man that he knew, he knows. This man lived in Canada. And um, he decided to travel when he was a young man. He decided to travel. He left Canada and he went and as he traveled around the country. He got so depressed, so miserable that he wanted to kill his life. He wanted to end his life. He wanted to die. And he said, I'm going to commit suicide. But he had a problem. He said, I'm not going to do it in this country. I'm going to do it in this country. My poor mom and dad will have to get my body from here all the way back to Canada. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to get on the plane, go back to Canada. And when I get there, I'm going to kill myself. Life is so miserable. So he got bought a ticket, to, got on the plane to go to Canada, and he sat down right next to a born-again Christian. And as he flew over to Canada, this Christian loved Jesus, and he began to share Jesus with this man. And the time the plane landed, this man gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's now serving as a pastor over in Thailand. Encountering Jesus in different places and in different ways. Well, this man, Saul, encountered Jesus on a Damascus road. And as he was 
um, going on the Damascus Road, we read that a light flashed around him and we read these words. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul, Saul, I'm stopping you on your road. I'm stopping you the way that you think you're going. I'm, I'm holding you now and I'm calling you by name. Saul, Saul. He didn't even, he didn't even like Jesus when he was alive. Paul didn't even know, as far as he was concerned, Jesus wasn't important to him. He didn't even know him and he didn't want to know him. But guess what? He was important to Jesus. Hallelujah. He may not want to know Jesus, but Jesus wanted to know him. And in fact, Jesus knew him. He knew him inside out. He knew his name. You know, it's so wonderful. This plays out every day in our society. So many people see Jesus as unimportant. The only time they think about Jesus, slightly, is when they use his name as a swear word. Christ. Jesus. Only watching a TV program, and you will hear it tonight, I'm sure. You're watching any television program tonight, a film, a drama. You will hear it. You come into your ears. Jesus or Christ. That's the only time our society ever really think slightly about Jesus. He's unimportant. We don't need to think about him. And yet we read in the Bible these words. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? You know, one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Hallelujah. You are worth more. Not only do I know your name, but your worth is far more, I can't even calculate your worth. In fact, the Bible in one way um, does calculate it, in, and I'll show you uh, in, in, a, in a few moments. But look what he says over in, um, in Isaiah. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, He who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. Hallelujah. You are mine. That's how important men and women are. He loves them so much, he calls them, you are mine. You know, you're not a number. You know, I go into McDonald's, you know, and I order it triple quart pounder and you know extra fries and double milkshake and lay it on me heavy you know and um, you know I get my McDonald's and they, they give me a ticket with a number on it I've got to stay there and wait for them to call my number because in McDonald's all they want is my money and they give me a number that's all, they, that's all they're important about them and that's the situation that we have in our society you are a number to many people you've got your national insurance number you've got your bank account number we are just numbers to many many people I want to tell you this to God you are not a number I know you by name your very hairs on your head are all numbered you are worth more than many many sparrows you cannot put a worth on your life 
Yet you can. Look what Romans says. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is the worth. God himself came down as Christ himself. Jesus hangs on the cross and says, these people are worth me dying for. That's how much I value them. He knows you by name. You are important to him. This man, Saul, as he was traveling, he didn't know Jesus. He didn't even like Jesus. And he wanted to trouble everybody who did like Jesus. But actually, Jesus knew him. And he was important to Jesus. He was a blind man. He was a known man. And finally, he was a called man. So Paul was led blind into the city. And the Bible says he was blind for three days. And for three days he sat there blind. And he was praying. Very important. He was just praying. He's wondering what on earth happened to me on that road. You know, I was going one way and I got stopped. What happened to me? And as he was sitting there, he was just praying and praying and praying. And God turns around and he sends a um, a disciple called Ananias. Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name. What God was saying is that, you see that man over there? That man that was blind, that man who didn't know me, well, guess what? He's my chosen instrument. I have a plan for him. And so Ananias went over to him, and we read these words. Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared on you to you on the road as he was coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from, his, from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. This man got baptized because God says, you are going to be my chosen instrument. I'm calling you to serve me. You know, and I want to say this to you, Matt. I want to say this to you, directly to you, that you are a called man you are his chosen instrument God has put his spirit upon you and he's going to call you to serve him in any way and I know you're doing it already I know you're reaching out and trying to pull people who are in pits and who have come from the same background that you've come from and you're beginning to help people and support people and bring people through you know their problems you are a called man and God's going to use you to serve him in that way but not just you Every single person, men, women, children, young people, when you become a Christian, God calls you. You are a called man, a called woman. I can't understand someone who claimed to be a Christian just sitting on their butt doing nothing. Getting spiritually fat by sitting in church and feed me, feed me, feed me, and then going home and do nothing. I can't understand it. Because once you become a believer, once you become a Christian, you look and you say, I need to help somebody else. 
God has given me food, the bread of life, and there's other people starving. I want to be able to go and, and, and help them. You know, I... Sorry if you're talking about food, you're getting to lunchtime and I'm getting a bit hungry, but um, I went out with, um, with Betty's son and Jimmy, and, and Betty's son Jimmy said to me, Jerry, I'm going to take you to an Indian restaurant, he said. When you get to this restaurant, he goes, you will never want to eat anywhere else. And so we went to Bark Inside and we went into this, this, this shack place, it didn't look that great, and I thought myself crying out loud, this, this doesn't look that great. But we went in. And I must tell you, the Indian food there was so sweet. It was clean. It was, oh, my goodness. You know, I was going for other people's plates, man. It was so good. And now, when someone said to me, do you know a good Indian restaurant? I was like, oh, no, the one that Jimmy took me in Barkinside. Let's go there. I want to take someone else to a place where you get good food. Because <laughs> I've experienced it. You say, listen, I know that Jesus is good. I've tasted, Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And when you tasted him, when you've experienced him, when he's opened your eyes, when he's given you his spirit, when he's changed your life, you cannot keep that to yourself. You want to turn around and say to somebody, I want to take you to a place where you can be fed. I can take you to a place where there's peace, joy, grace, compassion. Mercy, love, tenderness, warmth. I want to take you to a place where Jesus Christ will just carry you. Even in the storm, even when things are going wrong all around you and everything is falling apart, he is still able to carry you through those storms. I want to take you right there. Why? Because I've been there myself. This man, Paul, was a called man. And if you know anything about Paul, you will know that he wrote most of the New Testament. The wonderful thing is that Jesus Christ found a man that was blind and was able to make him see. Found a man who did not want to know Jesus, but told him, actually, I know you. I know you by name. And then Jesus Christ put a call on his life and brought him to a place where he served. Baptism, it starts, it doesn't start here, it starts actually really when a person opens their heart to Christ and say, I'm a sinner, I have nothing, nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross of Jesus, I cling. When a person does that, and it's a work that's done internally, he comes and stands up here, or she comes and stands up here and says, listen, I want everyone to know so I'm going to be born again. I'm born again. And I want everyone to know that Christ has done this work. Not man. Not Jerry Sandy. Not Chris Watton. Not the guys down the road. It was Christ who'd done a work in me. If that's you, my dear friends, then I praise God for you. Let's bow before him in prayer. Father, I just want to thank you so much that in a Bible reading, we find a man that was blind. Lord, I, was preach I have been preaching to men and women who were blind. Some are still in that place where they don't get it because their eyes are blinded. 
but a God of this age. Lord, I pray today in Jesus' name that you will open every eyes. That every man, woman and young person will understand and see that Jesus Christ is Lord. Gracious God, do that mighty work we pray. And draw men and women to a place. Not only would they love you and know you and grow to know you. But they also want to serve you. And point other blind, hungry and starving people to the cross of Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen.